Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? It is hot, hot, hot here. And thank God for air conditioning, right? It has already reached 113 here, and it will be 118 shortly. There is what we call a monsoon season, which we are heading into. That is our tropical storm season. That's the only time we get any rain where we're at. And so we're hoping we get a lot of rain this summer. That's when our humidity shows up. So lots of fun. Now, speaking of fun, I had a birthday recently. It was a milestone birthday. I will let you guess which one it is. Last weekend, we spent up at my brother's north of the state, and it's a little bit cooler there. It was 93, and we went hiking around the lakes up there, and we did some off-roading in my brother's Jeep up the mountains, which was really fun, and ate some really good food, and had lunch with my father the weekend before that, and today I went to have lunch, actually high tea with my mom at a, a tea house here in town. So you might notice that if you're watching this on YouTube that I am, I am in a, a dressy blouse. So I had just come home from lunch with mom at the tea house and didn't change. I, why not share the celebration with you, right? And the tea house was really fun. It was, we had our own little reserved room and it was decorated with musical instruments and antique furniture and lots of pillows and really good food, desserts, finger sandwiches, you know, the whole if you've gone to a, a tea house, all very delicious, and I'm gluten-free, and the best part about it was everything was gluten-free, so I could enjoy it, which that, that's pretty rare with a tea house. There's not very many that will do that, so had a great time. I was off from work this past week, and I really tried to be resting like I'm supposed to because I've been really stressed out. And trying to do some things that I've enjoyed, like doing some sewing and doing some. I actually bought a a coloring book that had the words of Jesus and you know designs on it. So I actually colored in an adult coloring book. That's fun, right? And let's see, what else did I do? I slept in and did some music stuff. Just tried to relax and not do a whole lot of work. So I went swimming with my neighbor at her pool, which was very refreshing. So I to just hang out at the pool and she's got two black labs that are super fun. To, um, they jump in the pool and we throw the ball and that was super fun. So that was my birthday celebration. 
Um, my most recent newsletter that went out, I put pictures of my um, vacation up north. So stay in touch with me. Sign up for the newsletter. I think that's all the announcements I have right now, except for please um, pray for my job hunting. I have maybe two prospects that could turn into job offers. So if you can pray about that for me, I'd appreciate it. So we do have a podcast to do today. And you're going to enjoy this. Karen Robinson. I'm going to read a little bit about her. I was on her podcast and we had such a good time that I'm having her on my podcast. So we are both advocates. Here's a little bit about her. Karen Robinson is a service-driven social worker, a therapist, and a coach with 24 years of clinical experience. Karen received her BSW and MSW from the University of Maine, where she's originally from. Karen is a genuine, authentic, compassionate provider. Her specialties are trauma recovery, anxiety, and depression. In her free time, Karen enjoys reading, writing, and spending time with her family. Her podcast is called Heal, Thrive, Dream. It's a, her ministry is a mother-daughter company that includes a wide range of service and products for women recovering from trauma. She offers holistic therapy coaching and virtual group coaching memberships, community service, courses, planners, journals, books, inspirational products, and workbooks. So her website is healthrivedream.com. And she is an amazing, amazing person. As you can see, she has a lot of services. So here we go. Here is my interview with Karen Robinson. Please welcome Karen Robinson to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was on your show uh, a little bit back and we had such a good time that we wanted to talk some more. So I'm having you on my show now. <laughs> Yeah, here I am. <laughs> and you're in the hot seat. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a great time. For those that don't know you, we like to talk about some fun things. What do you like to do for fun besides your work? We'll sure. get to that. So I am an avid reader. I love reading. Um, prior to working so much, I was reading three books a week. Um, now I'm uh, maybe one a week or one every two weeks, which is still great, I know. So I love reading. I love traveling. That's probably one of my most favorite things to do. And I love spending time with my kiddos. They're a bunch of fun. I love hanging out with them. We have a lot in common. I, we were talking before the show about traveling. I like to travel too and not going to be able to travel for a while. Also an avid reader. I have this stack mm -hmm. of books. Do you have that stack of books? that <laughs> Multiple stacks, actually. <laughs> a lot of my reading lately has been my guests. I usually read their books when they're on my show. And then I have my own personal reading list that I'm working on. And I've been a little too busy to, to do a, that many, as many books as you have. But I try and read at least one book. Mm -hmm. what, what are you reading right now? That's a great question. 
Um, I'm reading, let me get my grid reads out because I have six going. Um, the biblical book, I usually have one biblical book going at um, every time too. And it's about uh, emotional eating. It's called Full Food Jesus and the Battle for Satisfaction. Ooh. Okay, that's good. And it comes with a journal. So I'm reading that. Um, I'm reading A Simplified Life, which is an organizational book by Emily Lay. And then one of my podcast guests, she wrote this book called Breaking the Chains of Transgenerational Trauma. Mm. I am reading that. It's a really great, um, not that trauma is great, but it's a really great recovery from um, the journey of being a trauma survivor. And um, I've been a, a guest contributor to multiple books. And mm. so some of those books I, I'm working on reading, I just fe- finished um, Divine Direction, and I have a submission in that book. And um, there's a book called The Community Book Project, A Celebration of Personal Heroes. And I wrote a story about my husband, and I wrote a story about my aunt in that oh. book. So, so I'm listening to that. <laughs> I read a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I think this is the last one I read is Broken and Redeemed. Mm-hmm. Like he came to uh, John uh, Jarman came to Phoenix uh, last month, and so I I was able to meet him and um, promote, help promote his book. So that was really fun. Oh yeah, really cool. Now we're gonna jump in to a little bit about your your story. Um, mm-hmm. So let's start with your childhood. What was it like for you growing up? So I, I think a mixed you know, a story. Um, there was a lot of dysfunction in my childhood home growing up. There was some domestic violence, uh, child abuse. Um, I had a suicide attempt around the age of 12. And around the age of 14, I, I ran away from home. And after that, I lived with my aunt and uncle and I studied really hard in high school and got a full scholarship to university. And uh, I tried to make the most out of the hardships I had as a, a kid and, you know, young teenager. Um, I always knew I was going to be in a helping profession. And I felt a calling very early in my life. I was one of those kids mediating on the playground. Um, in high school, I was a peer, I was in peer support program and um, students offering support, helping kids that were feeling suicidal. I would be. Um, on a hotline for them in high school. So I always knew that um, despite the hardships that I had in my journey, that God was using me to help other people that were also suffering and and trying to heal from their childhood or whatever struggles they were going through. Wow, that's amazing. And you mentioned God. What was your relationship with God? So both of my grandmothers were pretty spiritual. One was Roman Catholic. She was French Canadian, Grammy Lena. And the other grandmother, Grammy Grace, um, was Pentecostal. Um, So I grew up attending church or mass with either one of them. So it was a very eclectic (laughs) religious orientation. (laughs) Yes, it it was for sure. Um, And then when I... Uh, after I ran away, I studied with a woman who helped me um, get more into religious doctrine 
So I um, got my first communion and first confirmation during that time and was oriented to the Catholic faith more so at that time. Now I consider myself to be non-denominational, but I remember praying um, after I took the pills for my suicide attempt, um, I asked God to take me because I didn't want to um, suffer anymore, the emotional pain that I was having. And I woke up and so I felt that that must not, he wanted me to live. You know, it wasn't, it's not that I heard this clear thing, but I just had this peace like, okay, well that didn't work. Um, so I, I must, it must mean something. So I just had peace about that as well. Mm. So I, I feel like I've been pretty spiritual um, most of my life. Now I haven't been actively religious my whole life. You know, in college, I would sometimes go to church, sometimes not. I taught Sunday school um, a bit in college and a little bit afterward. But um, despite how active I am in my religion or spirituality, I always feel that. I always feel him looking out for me and being there for me. And I know he's there whenever I call upon him. So that's been pretty cool. So you think it got really personal when when you had your suicide attempt? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because before then, I don't really remember a whole lot other than my grandmother's taking me to church. I was an avid, I, I prayed more in my childhood than I ever have as an adult. So I find that interesting. That I was pretty, pretty faithful with praying. And it's so funny, like now that I've had all these Bible studies and you know, a lot of doctrine and learning, how come I don't pray as much as I did as a child? So that that's always curious to me. I wonder, I wonder how that happened, how I was so devoted so early. Yeah. The childlike faith. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Yeah. When we when we grow up, we kind of lose some of that. We get busy, I think. Yeah, we we're let, busy. We'll have their things get in the way when we shouldn't. Mm, mm, absolutely. So you got married and you started a family. Was there anything in between there that you wanted to mention? That's kind of a loaded thing about getting married and having a family. Because a you huge know, question. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a, you know, I've been divorced and I have. Um, a child from another, from another marriage. And in between marriages, I, I adopted a child. Um, and then I remarried, um, my current spouse and hopefully my last spouse in 2012. And then we had a son together. So we have three kids. Yeah. So one from a prior marriage, one adopted and one with my current marriage. So, well, what was know. it like to adopt a, a child when you were just by yourself? A little insane. Yeah. Um, it's one of those God moments again. I was living in Japan. Uh, I was a therapist for the federal government in Okinawa, Japan. And I was helping expats and Americans abroad with the adoption process. And my daughter kept saying, well, what about us, mom? What? And I'm like, are you crazy? I can barely manage you as a single mother, <laughs> you know? And so, and then one day out of the blue, this woman called me and she said, I, I want to place my child up for adoption. I'm having problems. And I said, oh, well, I usually help the adoptive parent. Like I help with the home study piece and prepping them with training for adoption. I don't 
um, have an agency where I can help birth mothers. And then we were talking and then I said, well, wait a minute. I said, I'll take your baby. And, and it was like, I was like, who's talking right now? <laughs> um, cause I did, wasn't exactly prepared for that. And then two weeks later I had a baby in my arms two weeks later. Fast. Yeah. No nine months pregnancy here for me <laughs> two weeks later. And so, um, my daughter, Grace, uh, who's named after my, one of my grandmothers, both girls are after named after my grandmothers. Um, they were pretty pivotal in my life, but Grace was born in Japan and a little Island called Iwakuni. And, um, she's not Asian though. She's, uh, she's mixed race, um, mixed ethnicity. Her parents were in the Marine Corps. So Mm -hmm. that's how we got Gracie. And then once I married and and got settled back into the States, um, my husband also adopted her. So that's um, great. She got readopted in Virginia. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. What a great story. Thank you. We'll keep her. <laughs> she's 12. She's 12 now and she's really testing my limits, but we'll keep her still. <laughs> it's at that pivotal age, the roller coaster ride. You just have to hold on until until it's over. Yeah. Uh, we all well, I remember when I was 12, I think I probably terrorized my parents too. <laughs> it's hard for me to believe that, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, you can ask my mom. We just we just had a, a long chat at lunch. So <laughs> um so you're all a uh a one one big family now and you you don't ever have any problems. Everything oh. is perfect. Oh rainbows yeah. and unicorns. <laughs> I would never claim that. That's I everybody <laughs> would know that's a lie. Just like any family, we have our beautiful moments, our hard moments, but we get through. We're, we're, uh, what's the best word? I think we're committed to making it work. That's the most important thing. That is, that's, um, that's half the battle. How did you meet your current husband? Match.com. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, At that point I had been, um, I've had, I dated a little bit on match.com and it wasn't a very good experience. But as I had faith and I, I really wanted um, a family for my children that uh, I needed more support. One adult was really difficult. And so um, I was, when I honed down to what I really wanted in a relationship, uh, what kind of person I wanted, when I, when I got focused on that, I found him immediately. You know, we were a really high match, high 90s. Um, he drives me crazy, but he's very good for me. You know, he's, uh, he's faithful, he's hardworking, he's educated, he's very talented, um, really good guy. I had some really bad um, experiences on online dating, uh, some really predatory men, mm-hmm. which is really, was really bad. And so I got off the dating websites for a while, and then my, my now husband, Brian, he he sent me a wink on, it was Christian dating for free. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a profile picture up, but I saw his, his profile and it's like, oh, we've got so much in common. And he looks just like an old fashioned regular guy. And so we started talking back and forth and 
then we went to a movie around Thanksgiving and yeah, we were married within six months. <laughs> we just knew, like, I know it sounds crazy when people say, well, we just knew, but we, like you say, you, you find somebody that's a really good match and we enjoy being together. And we, we both have been married before to abusive people. And so now it's like our home is peaceful and it's like, we don't fight. People don't, or people don't believe me. We don't fight. But I think that it took us so long to find each other. It's like we're going to pick and choose what we're going to get upset over, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about this as adults. And it's a relationship built on trust and respect and, and love. And yeah, we're not perfect. We get on each other's nerves. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like you say, we're committed to waking up each day and serving one another. I think that's a big part of it. We want to please one another. Now, you're a a social worker. Mm -hmm. What inspired you to be a social worker? Yeah, it was just a calling early in the playground. I I just knew. Um, I don't know if I necessarily knew a social worker at the time. I I just knew helping profession. And one of my cousins, um, who's older than me, was a social worker. And so when I told her, told her I wanted to go to college, I, I said, I think I want to study sociology and, and do something to help people. And so that's when I learned she was studying social work in college because I was in high school. And, and she told me why she recommended the degree in social work. And so I loved it so much. I got both my bachelor's and my master's in social work um, just because with the bachelor's level, you can't do therapy with that. You can do case management and, and some other things, lots of great things. But um, with the master's degree, I could be a, a therapist. And that's one of the, the, the draws to the field. But with a, a degree in social work, you can work anywhere. It's a really great, versatile degree. You can work with any age, any population of people, healthcare, mental health. Um, prisons, churches, corporations, adoption, foster care. I mean, nursing, the, the list goes on and on and on. We are useful anywhere where there's people, um, people need help. We were able to use our skills um, to help. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm glad you pointed out all those things because social workers get a bad rap, don't you think? Or the child welfare system, they're, they're typecast yeah. as this is the only thing we do is we take children away from their parents, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's not the the reality of it. There's so yeah. much more to social right. work than that, right? And it's actually hard to get kids removed from homes too. Is the other piece of it is um, it, there has to be it has to be proven pretty blatant abuse in most cases. Um, and so thank God for social workers mm-hmm. <laughs> in that sense. And police officers, like police officers also get a bad rap, but of course we need them too, you know, to make communities safe. It's really important that when we look at different professions, we don't stereotype across the board. You know, there's, uh, there are horrible social workers out there for sure. I'm never mm-hmm. going to say that we're all wonderful, just like any profession. We have our, our stars and the people that are 
not doing all that they that they could do to make a difference. Mm. Now you you started your your ministry with your your daughter, is that right? The ministry that you have now. Well, our our company we call it a mother daughter company, and so my children are, but my daughters I should say are on and off helpful. Okay, so I do give them credit where it's due. <laughs> um, like my daughter Grace, when we first came out with physical journals, she she um, did the artwork, and that's what I got em- embossed into the covers. So she designed that. And she's got a, a really great eye. And so when I'm designing something, um, I have her look it over. So she helps with that. And then my older daughter, Lena, um, has helped me with editing materials. Um, anytime I write for a book or a blog post, I have her edit. She's work, Now she's working on my um, podcast uh, show notes. Mm. She's reviewing those, making sure the links work and things like that. So they are periphery workers right now. They're young. Like my oldest is just a first year, just finished her first year in college. Um, and she is pretty cool. She uh, is working at a Girl Scout camp this summer. So she's, you know, guiding and leading young women. I, I love that about her. And then my daughter, Grace, is in middle school. So we'll see what they do in the future and how active they are in our, in our work together. Well, you're starting them off young and, and training them. <laughs> and and tr- I want them to be independent um, women who serve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, serve, serve and make a difference. It's important. That's great. I love it. Thank you. And in your ministry, and you've had abuse in your past, and you help others to heal from abuse, What what has been some of the the best ways to heal from abuse from your experience? It's a really great question. It really is. So I think holistic healing is what I would recommend, which means you're working on your physical health, which is nutrition, exercise, you know, making sure you get proper medical care, lab work, you know, whatever you need to do to be physically healthy. And then mentally, I would recommend people or survivors, you know, go to therapy, um, work with coach, a coach for accountability to get your routines in order. Um, I help people with like morning and evening routines to, to make the bookends of their day. Um, I also uh, recommend spirituality, like what, um, how do you honor your higher power? How, how do you celebrate? Um, how do you what does your spirituality look like? Do you pray? Do you go to church? Um, do you serve? So I think holistic care is what I recommend. And then treatment modality wise for trauma, um, I'm very eclectic in my approach. I've, I've been trained on almost every model of therapy there is for trauma. Um, and so I'm not particularly faithful to a model. I'm, I'm more faithful to my client. And, and, you know, not doing cookie cutter approaches because they're a unique human being. Mm-hmm. So my therapy usually looks a lot like a lot of um, talking to process, writing, narrative, writing to process the trauma. Um, we do some exposure, but in a gentle way to bring down the emotional intensity of their traumas. And we do a lot of thought work. I train them to 
identify negative thinking patterns, you know, negative core beliefs that don't, do not serve you, that they, they don't help you be successful. They don't help you feel better. They don't help you in your relationships with others. And I teach people how to replace those thought patterns with healthier, more productive thinking. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. It's probably more complicated than that, but in a nutshell. Well, yeah, we only have, you know, a certain amount of time here. <laughs> but I, I think where you mentioned about the mind, it, it is a, a huge mind process. Mm-hmm. It, it is, you know, of course, broken bones and bruises heal, but to retrain your brain to one process the trauma and then think a different way than what you're accustomed to thinking. And I know for myself that I am not a naturally positive person. My husband is, but my, my mother was not naturally positive. My father was. So it's, it is kind of a dichotomy there, but I've had to retrain my brain. I have to do it every day to choose how am I going to think about this? Am I going to succumb to the, the darkness, to the abyss, so to speak, or am I going to climb out of it? You know, I have to choose that every day. Uh, and it's uh, not perfect. I, I still sometimes get very negative or when it's pretty much like, okay, the, the house is flooding and you're s- standing up on the stairs looking at the flood and, well, the flood's coming and, you know, we're going to die here. So there's nothing I can do. Doomsday? It was some other word, but I would probably say it's more doomsday thinking. But my, my husband is, uh, he says all the time, you, know, you can wake up and, and choose what kind of a attitude you're going to have and what kind of day you're going to have and we've got family members that no matter what's going on they're always miserable or we've got friends that they're very negative and I understand that because I I get that way too sometimes a lot of it is a is fighting with your mind more than your more than your body (laughs) for me anyway I don't know if that was the same way for you but Mm. I thought so but maybe because I've been teaching CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy for so long, now I feel it's more body because as I get older, I'm having a lot more aches and pains and muscle, muscle tension. And so, which is trauma related and uh, naturally growing older is part of that too. And having a sedentary job. And so now it's like, whether I want to exercise or not, I, I really have to. Um, otherwise, it's it's a lot of pain. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm definitely more body focused recently. I'm working on uh, exercising, um, getting massages. Um, my husband bought me this massage gun. For, oh, the one on the TV with the guy, uh-huh. the model uh-huh. guy. Well, I don't know if it's the same one, but it's it's probably a similar concept. And so you can put it any part of your body that's tense. The muscles are tight uh, and it's just amazing. It's, I'm like so I'll thankful to, for it. <laughs> I'll have to get me one. I just love the sucker. <laughs> I had thought I was getting a stroke because I had, I have a sedentary day job too. Um, you know, we talked about the stress of my job before the show. Uh, I had pain in my legs. 
and I thought uh, I had numbness and you know I, I work out during my lunch break I walk on the treadmill and I do some stretching uh, and some uh, lifting some weights but the stress has been brutal and I thought I was having a stroke and so I went to the to my primary care doctor and he did all the tests he's been our doctor a long time and he says uh, I don't think you're having a stroke or a heart attack I think I think it's just, just the stress level you're under. And he gave me a muscle relaxer, which those muscle relaxers, I, I could not function the next day. I couldn't get out of bed. So I, I switched to magnesium. Is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and magnesium helped a lot more than the muscle relaxer did. Uh, at least could do my job, but um, definitely feeling my body. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that mind-body connection right there. Is mm-hmm. now, do you have a, a a specific story of somebody that that you've helped in your ministry? Obviously, don't mention any names, but maybe someone that that you've um, you've seen come from this point, and and now she's over here. So you mean that a lot of work in their healing? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. a success story. Yeah, it's really hard, though, because of the confidentiality piece um, so for unique details. But yes, um, the the biggest part of working with someone in the trauma recovery journey is the trust, um, the, be, being an authentic listener, uh, non-judgmental. Um, there's another word I want, genuine, like a genuine uh person with active listening skills most people just really need to be heard okay you know listening to their story believing their story because so many times in life we're not believed um and then so those are the basics in the relationship and so i i try to do that fairly early but it does take time to grow that um but i do have uh lots of survivors i trauma is tricky Mm-hmm. meaning it's not that you go through a course of therapy that, and then you're done. Right. And the reason I say that is because trauma impacts every single area of your life. So I do invite people back for maintenance therapy. Like, okay, maybe you're doing, uh, we do a course of therapy and you're, and you're feeling your mood is level, your coping skills. We, we've gone through them. You have your coping skills in order you know, you're ready to graduate, but I also remind them that there may be things that happen that trigger a trauma, a trauma response, like having a baby for women um, who've had sex abuse that can be very triggering or being in a, a romantic relationship that goes south, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a breakup or something devastating happens in that, then, you know, it's, it's okay to come back to therapy. So yes, success stories, but honestly, the the people who tend to do the best know that they can come back to therapy. They have ongoing support. Mm. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm glad you you brought that up. That it, it is a journey, and it's not an instantaneous thing. Mm-hmm. And I can tell from myself that I can look back and see okay, I was a big hot mess here when I got out of my abuse, but I have come so far 
but I still have trigger days. Mm -hmm. When I first started telling my story, it was really hard. Of course. I mean, I would cry or get emotional or my hands shake, you know, the whole stomach in knots kind of thing. I, I told my story in front of my church, actually. But now I now I say my story all the time in my but there are sometimes I'll I'll tell my story and just out of nowhere something something hits me and I'll I'll start getting emotional about it without any warning. So that still happens once in a blue moon, but I did get a huge trigger from former father-in-law died, who I was very close to. Now, when I left my, my ex-husband, I didn't get to say goodbye. They pretty much cut me off as soon as I left my ex-husband. I found out by accident he had died of cancer. And I found out at work, on the internet, I had to deal with that at work. Oh, I was like crying my eyes out because one, he never, my ex never told me that he was sick. He didn't tell me he died. I didn't get to go to the funeral. I didn't get to have closure. I didn't have any closure. I had to mourn my father-in-law twice. Mm -hmm. And I was angry. Mm -hmm. I started thinking all this stupid stuff like, well, maybe I shouldn't have gotten divorced. If I was still married, then I would have been able to be there for my father-in-law and I would have been able to comfort him in his last days and all you know you go through this horrible <laughs> there's that mindset again mm -hmm. you know i meet with with my mentors i have my my mentors that i talk to still and they bring me back to planet earth <laughs> you left your ex-husband for a reason and so i i looked up everybody's addresses and and i sent cards i'm like i'm just gonna send a card anyway mm -hmm. the only one that that answered back was my mother-in-law. She sent me this really nice thank you card, and and um, she was very appreciative of that. And I still have the letter. It's part of part of my grieving process. So that was one of my my triggers. Mm -hmm. Most days, I I do very well. I'm. You have a lot of resources. I read some of them in your bio. Share with the listeners what resources that you offer. Sure. Let's start with the free stuff first. You know, so people with any income. Um, so my podcast is free. I don't charge um, for anyone listening to it. And it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all Amazon, all of those. Um, and then I have a free Facebook group that's uh, for trauma survivors. Um, and then my paid program, I have, oh, one more free thing. I do do um, 15 minutes uh, free consultation to see if I'm a good fit for someone that would like to be coached. Um, I have that service as well. And then my pay offers, I offer um, a group membership for trauma survivors. It's a once a month, once to twice a month, we, we meet, we do accountability, like habit tracking. Um, we have a theme every month that's related to trauma. And so we work on that theme that we have journaling prompts, we have affirmations that we practice every month. Um, and then it's, it's got lots of other resources in there about different uh, treatment modalities. Um, so I have one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. I also have what's called VIP days. And a VIP day is when you hire me between th three to five hours in a block and we take a, an issue and we do a deep dive on it. Um, usually it's cognitive behavioral therapy work 
It could be cognitive processing work. But at the end of that um, block of time, you're going to have a, a, an incredible amount of work done, at least a deep dive, because we can focus. You're not being distracted by work. Like the thing about weekly therapy or group one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions, you lose focus because you go back to your real life, right? Mm -hmm. And you get distracted and busy. So the VIP blocks, um, we do the focus, deep work. And then I, you leave with an action plan on what to work on outside of the session. So those are um, very, very productive for people. Um, and then if you are in the state of Virginia, I can offer you, I can be a therapist uh, to you. I can take insurance or, or do private pay. Um, and I'm working on getting licensed in Georgia, uh, DC and Maryland. So I'll be four states. And I think that's, well, and then we offer inspirational products. We have a, a boutique called HTD, that's Heal Thrive Dream, um, hyphen boutique. And we sell jewelry with affirmations for women, um, apparel, tote bags um, to encourage survivors. It's got really um, affirmative uh, statements like, to help motivate you and inspire you to live your best life kind of stuff. Um, and then women who are in toxic work environments and want to get out, we, um, we sell uh, e-commerce stores to help you get set up if you wanna run your own e-commerce store. And we have a full service digital agency to help women set up websites, uh, their social media, email marketing, all that. We offer all of those services as well. That was a lot, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I, I love it. You you have so much to to offer to help people in whatever manner that they feel comfortable with. Like we already talked about, not everybody heals the same way. And so that's one thing I really like about what you offer is is you you customize it for people. I know we covered a lot of ground, but is, is there anything else that you wanted you wanted to talk about or, or say to the audience that we didn't mm -hmm. say? Yeah, I think I, I really, when I was talking about the holistic care, there's one thing I left out and it, it could be argued most important piece is the importance of community support, you know, mm -hmm. relationships. So trying not to do your healing on your own, mm -hmm. you know? You know, if you're, if you're struggling with alcoholism, AA, smart recovery, um, same with trauma or any kind of mental health issue, there's support groups, there's um, therapists, there's coaching, there's your chaplain or your people at church. Um, it's really important to be mindful on who you pick to work with and who you associate with. So they're not toxic, negative, um, abusive, right? Mm -hmm. But fill your community with people who really care about you, who value you, and that you feel good in that relationship. You know, they hold you accountable. So it's not like they're like, oh, you can do whatever you want whenever there's no consequence. You know, I don't mean party people. I mean, people who are going to hold you accountable for you to work towards being your best self. Mm. So that's my, my wisdom is... Try not to do this alone. Absolutely. When you're going through abuse, a lot of times we feel alone and hopeless. And yeah, you're 
definitely right. You need to get in a community that supports you to help you through those bad days. Mm-hmm. I know the big thing about mending the soul groups, the, the ladies have said that I've, I've never told anybody my story. I've never told anybody what what I was going through. And I thought I was all alone. I didn't think anybody else had gone through this before. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a group or a community, then you realize, oh, this person went through the same thing I went through. Yeah, There's hope because, hey, if she can make it, I can make it. This has been a wonderful conversation. I so en- enjoyed having you today. Tell folks how to get in touch with you. Oh, well, I want to say thank you for having me too. It's been a pleasure being here and having this convo. Um, the best way to get me is I have a link that has all my social media and websites um, and booking calendar, all that. And it's KarenRobinson360.com. And it has um, my publications and the articles I've written, the books I've contributed. So everything I have to offer is, is there. And I invite you to reach out. And if I can do something to help, I'm, I'm glad to do it. Absolutely. Be sure to keep in touch and God bless you. And God bless you too and your audience. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.